You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about Grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Tommy Jones. Today we're looking at uh, Jacob. And uh, we're, we're still on our Genesis series. And like Jacob is, bless his heart, man. There's just, this dude's a scoundrel. And it, this is one of those messages like, I'm, I'm what you call like a life application preacher. So I want to find a verse in the Bible and then I want to tell you about it. And then I want to like wrap a cute little bow about it and tell you exactly how you should live your life according to this particular verse in the Bible. So I want to find something and then contextually make it apply to your life. And in this week, I couldn't do it. Like, I don't know really what today's punchline is. So I'm going to share with you guys the story. I'm going to tell you the story of Jacob. And then I hope what you will do is kind of go home and wrestle with this on your own and see how this story applies to your life and what God speaks to you through these words. But so we talked about Abraham. And if you guys remember, God promised to bless Abraham. And he promised to bless Abraham with children. And Abraham does all sorts of squirrely things. And finally, it comes to pass, Abraham and Sarah have a child. Does anyone know that child's name? Isaac. Good job. So Abraham and Sarah have a child. The child's name is Isaac. Uh, Isaac has a wife. Does anyone know her name? Rebecca, that's right, good job. So, uh, so uh, Isaac and Rebecca sort of have the same infertility problems that Abraham and Sarah have, except for instead of Isaac going to sleep with a slave, uh, he actually just begins to pray for his wife. I think maybe he'd watched his dad, and he was like, maybe sleeping with the slave isn't the best idea. <laughs> or perhaps, perhaps he suggested it one night over dinner, and Rebecca was like, no, gross. And so I don't know what happened. But he didn't sleep with a slave. Instead, he just prays for his wife, and uh, she gets pregnant. And so Genesis 25, 21, let's, let's see what's going on. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. And the Lord answered his prayer, and his wife, Rebekah, became pregnant. And the babies, so there's two babies, jostled each other within her. And she said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire to the Lord. So she starts praying to God. And, and the God says, two nations are in your womb. And two peoples from within you will be, na- will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other. And the older will serve the younger. All right, so she's pregnant with twins. And she's like, something is wrong in me. And at first she's like, you know, maybe it was Los Toritos. I don't, maybe, it was, maybe it was the Mexican food. I don't know what's going on. And so she starts praying. And God's like, it's not the Mexican food. What's wrong with you is there's two twins inside of you, and they're jostling for position. But then God does what we've seen him do over and over in in the Genesis story. He issues a blessing that's completely unmerited. He says uh, says there will be two people. uh, There will be a stronger. One will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. So what God is saying in this part is, I am issuing a special blessing to the younger child. So the twins are going to come out, one's going to come out, then the other. I'm issuing a special blessing to that younger child. So God has decided of God's sovereign will that he is going to bless this younger child based on nothing anyone has to do. All they have to do is be obedient. And God is going to bless this younger child. And that's unusual in their world. Typically, the older child will get the blessing. And in this one, the younger child will be the superior one. And I think we can all see that makes sense. I think we get that. But it's unusual at this place in time. 
Uh, now it's common, but it's super unusual. Typically, the older son would actually be in the image of the father, and the older son would rule in the father's image. Does this sound familiar at all? The son rules in the image of the father, so there is a man who will rule in the image of his Sound a little bit like Adam and Eve? And so it's the, younger, the older son's job to rule in the image of the father, but something's going on here. So in verse 24, let's go. It says, when the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first one to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So he was like a, a red Grinch. She was like, ew, <laughs> David. So, so they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. Okay, so she has two kids. She's got a red, hairy Grinch boy, and, and then she's got a younger son that's grasping the heel of the red, hairy Grinch boy, right? This is a weird story. And so, and so I think it's easy for us just to read over that and go, okay, whatever. But in, in Hebrew wordplay, to grasp the heel meant to trip them up. So if you said somebody's trying to trip you up, you'd be saying somebody's like a trickster or a shyster or something like that. In Hebrew wordplay, that's what they're saying about Jacob, the younger son. They're saying he is a shyster. He is a trickster. He's going to be a deceiver. The name Jacob means deceiver. So this kid is toxic in the womb, right? He's bad from the get. But remember what God has just said. God said, I'm going to bless this younger brother. Just wait for me and I'm going to bless you. But in Genesis, again, every time God says this, he says to Noah or to, to Adam and Eve, he says, I'm going to bless you and be fruitful and multiply. And what do they do? They go and try to take what God said he was going to give them. And so it's a big failure. Same thing with Noah. Noah, you know, did the ark and then he gets off and gets drunk and naked and all this kind of stuff. Big failure. Abraham, God says, I'm going to bless you. And immediately Abraham begins to fail. You know, all these things. And with Jacob, we're going to see the same thing. God says, I want to bless you. Wait for me. But Jacob doesn't want to wait for what God wants to give him. Instead, Jacob wants to grab what he can take. And when we see this over and over, what we see is failure. And so Jacob, the trickster, the, 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 the shyster, the deceiver, in this next scene, he's going to go to his older brother, Esau, who is designed, because he's the older one, to rule in the image of the father. He's going to go to him and try to steal the blessing. And, and listen so y'all remember Adam and Eve. What, what, what did Adam and Eve basically fail? What caused them to fail? There was a, uh, Eve offered Adam something. What was it? An apple. It was something to eat. Uh, for any of you who've ever been hangry, like all these stories should resonate with you because food plays a powerful role in these stories. Listen to what this dude sells his birthright for. Genesis 25, 29. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country and he was famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That's why he was called Edom. Edom means red. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Esau says, I'm about to die. I'm so hungry. What good is a birthright to me? And Jacob said, swear it to me first. So he swore an earth oath to Jacob, selling his birthright. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil. It's not even like, you know, beef stew. Y'all ever had a lentil? It's disgusting. <laughs> One person in the room said it was good, and it's my wife. 
Everyone else understands how a lentil tastes. <laughs> okay, Clarissa, good. They're not good in my, in my IMO. Um, unless you cook them, babe, then they're delicious. <laughs> then they're delicious. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew. He ate and he drank and he got up and left. And then Esau despised his birthright. He sold his birthright. He's going to rule in the image of the father over everything the father had. And he sells it for lentil stew because him is hungry, right? He's so hungry. It's over and over. He's like, I got to have, he, he said, I'm about to die. This is like when your kids say, I'm literally so hungry, I'm going to die. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not literally going to do that. That's what's going on here. And he just gave away the father's blessing to his son, or to, to his brother, for soup. And so Esau fails, and Jacob fails. Jacob's a failure from the get-go. I mean, this, his name means deceiver, and the first thing we see is him deceiving his brother. But in the midst of this mutual failure, God is doing what God had set out to do. Remember what God said. The Lord said, two nations are in your womb. Two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. God is accomplishing his will even through human failure. And this is the story of Jacob's life. God wants to bless him, but he refuses to receive the blessing. He refuses to take what God wants to give. Instead, he wants to go grab what he can get on his own. And he fails. And Jacob and Esau have both failed already. And now we're going to have another failure enter the story. His mom. So, so Jacob and Esau's mom, Rebecca, is about to enter the story. And she's a liar too, right? He got it from his mama. And she, she's a liar just like the other ones. And watch what now. Now they're going to trick the dad. And so Rebecca is going to work with the kid, uh, Jacob, to hatch a plan. Listen to this one. So she's basically told him to, like, cut out a hairy Chewbacca outfit and put it on and go trick his dad. Genesis 27, 11. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, But my brother Esau is a hairy man while I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, My son, let the curse fall on me. Just go and do what I'm telling you to do. All right, so, so they're going to put a disguise on Jacob to go trick Isaac, the dad, to get the blessing because the brother's the Harry Grinch guy, and so he's got to put on this outfit. And the mom says, if, if a curse happens, let it fall on me. And do you all know what happens to Rebecca in the rest of the story? She gone. She's not in the story again. Every other important matriarch, every other important mom in the book of Genesis, we're told how she dies. We're not even told how Rebecca dies. She's just booted from the story. She asked for the curse, and the curse is what she got. What she thought would unite her and her son separated her from her son and from the rest of God's story, and Rebecca's out. And that's what happens to her. So Jacob dresses up like his brother, covers himself, and then he gives, I'm not going to read the whole story, y'all can go read it, but he gives his dad a bunch of wine. So now he's, he's getting his dad a little tipsy, and he's filling his belly with some more of that delicious lentil stew. And so his dad is full and a little tipsy, and then Jacob goes to his dad, verse 27. So he went to him, and he kissed him. Interesting. He betrays his dad with a kiss. 
When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, so now Isaac's going to give the blessing to Jacob. Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew on earth and earth's riches, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers And may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. Okay, so Jacob has received the blessing that was not rightfully his, and he got it in an illegitimate way, even though God was going to give him the the legitimate blessing. So I know we've gone through a lot, so let me give you guys a quick summary of what has happened. Jacob was born a deceiver. It's who he is. His brother Esau completely fails by giving away his birthright for a bowl of lentil soup. Fail, fail. The mom gets involved. She's a liar. She fails. She convinces the son to lie to the dad who's blind, a little bit intoxicated and full. He fails. The whole family has failed. This is like a massive family where everybody's lying and failing. It's like next week on Springer, there will be some kind of new story. And this, this, is an, this is an episode of Springer. It is complete failure all around. It is just colossal failure through the whole story. But yet something's happening. Because even through this story of a whole family that is failing unnecessarily to get what God had said he was going to give, God is working. And, and Jacob ends up, he goes on the run and he ends up in exile for 20 years and his life goes from bad to worse because he ends up with four wives and Lord knows that's a headache. He, he's got four wives, right? And then from his four wives, he has 12 kids. And these 12 kids, by the way, his wives are all deceivers too. It's just, again, more people. From his 12 kids will eventually come the 12 tribes that will make up the nation of Israel. From the 12 tribes that will make, remember, this is all from collective family generational failure will come the 12 tribes of Israel. From the 12 tribes of Israel will come one tribe called the tribe of Judah. From the tribe of Judah will come a man named Jesus the Christ, who is fully God and fully Savior of the world. And this all comes from collective family failure. I mean, can you imagine? God is accomplishing his entire plan through the failure of people. This is how Jesus comes into the world. And then we get this crescendo of the story, and this may be my favorite part, and I also think it's the most often misinterpreted part. Genesis 32, 22. It says, That night, Jacob got up and took two of his wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons. He hadn't had the 12th yet. And he crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the man asked, what's your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob. You are now Israel because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Okay, guys, if this is your first time to hear this story, uh, what just happened in this story is Jacob wrestled with God. Okay, so he was in a wrestling match with God. And I've heard this story described as like an, an irresistible force meets an unmovable object. And the irresistible force is God's desire to bless us and be generous with us and, and pour out heavenly riches on us. And the unmovable object is our desire to be prideful, selfish, stupid humans. 
And these things are crashing into each other, and they're having this wrestling match, right? And, and, and God is like, yield. And Jacob says, no. And so it says that he touched him. But the Hebrew translation, I don't normally do this, but this story in the English translation, it kind of loses a little bit of its luster. In Hebrew, what this story translates to, so for the original audience was, God punched him in his, in his, in his blessing maker. Can we use that term? Is that safe? Punched him so hard in his blessing maker that it dislocated his hip. Y- yikes! <laughs> That's a hit right there. I mean, think about it. Jacob had brought these kids into the world on his own. Everything he got had been on his own and his way had been taken. So God says, I'm going to remove from you your ability to do what you've been doing. And so he pow, punches him so hard that Jacob has to stop. You want to bring somebody to their knees? That's it right there. (laughs) Jacob is brought to his knees. He can't go for it, can't do anything else. Now the only thing he can do is depend on God for his blessings. And so I'm reading this, and I'm like, what is the moral of this story? And, And here's what I think God spoke to me. I'm going to accomplish my will one way or the other. And you can either get on board or you can experience a lot of pain. But my will will be done. And so, like, I'm I'm reading these stories, and I think we've read these stories maybe in past, maybe in Sunday school, and and Jacob was a hero, or, you know, Moses was a hero, or Noah was a hero. No, they're failures. There is only one hero in any of these stories, and the hero is God. He's the hero. And God is going to, and like sometimes I think it's good if, if there's a story about you and me and we get encouraged and we go away happy going, okay, I see how this applies. Sometimes I think it's good to remember that God is God and God is going to do what God wants to do. And you can either get with him and reduce the pain or you can fight him and you can experience a punch in your blessing maker. <laughs> like it's up to you. God is going to have his way in this world. And if God chooses to use you for something and you choose to fight it, you are taking the painful way, but God is going to be God. We were talking, Rachel and I were talking about music this week and talking about how, you know, songs that are all about me, I, I, me, worship songs, I, me, our our worship should all be focused at God because he's always the hero of the story. And, And the Bible is not ours. It's not the story of Tommy. It's the story of God. And I can choose to be part of the story or not, but God's still going to be good and his will is still going to come to pass. And if God decides to use you for something, the best thing you can do is go along with it. Because if not, it can get painful. And I was reading this and I was thinking if I was to take a poll of the audience, How many of us, let's say there's an easy way of life with God and there's a hard way of life with God. How many of us got to this point in life the hard way? Yeah. I'd say the great majority of us. I'd be willing to say 99% of the room got here the hard way and the one who thinks they didn't, you are delusional. (laughs) Like you're the one we're all worried about. (laughs) Because we got here the hard way. And like, even, even as I read this story, and again, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to wrap this in a bow for you. I'm just telling you what it meant for me. I pray that my children would find a better way to give their life to Christ than I did. Because I had to take one in the blessing before I would actually yield my life to God. And there is an easier way to get there. 
And and maybe even the way that God calls you, there's going to be pain and you're going to experience pain. But even if you experience pain for the glory of God, it's almost like you count it as blessing. There's a guy in the Bible named Paul who we'll meet later when we do Ephesians. And Paul experienced incredible pain for the glory of God. But he said, I count it all rubbish. Everything I've experienced, it's nothing compared with the unsurpassing glory of giving my whole life to Christ. The pain means nothing to me. Even if you experience pain in the process of serving God, there will be glory in it. Otherwise, you can bang your head against the wall for the rest of your life until you get there the hard way. And so, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you to do with this story. Because you know what I know? Like, and I've learned this, and you guys will agree, especially if you've done anything wrong in your life or have kids. <laughs> a monkey, a monkey will, will literally watch another monkey fall out of a tree and not climb the tree. Humans will watch another human fall and go and do the exact same stupid thing the next day. (laughs) Is that true? And we are bound to get there the hard way. And so I want you to know, if you choose the hard way, the hard way is what you're going to get. But maybe think about the fact that there might be a better way. And maybe you and I could set an example of a better way so that our sons and daughters might not endure some of the pain we've gone through to get to this point. Will God's will come to pass? Absolutely. How painful does it have to be for you, for his will to come to pass through you? Think about it. If you come up with a better ending to this sermon than I did, feel free to email it to me. Otherwise, struggle with it this week. See where you end up. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Podcast.